In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. If we could pray together. Lord Jesus, by faith in your merits, I now take your precious blood and sprinkle it over myself and my family, right from the crown of my head to the very soles of my feet. I claim total and complete protection for my life and my family. Lord Jesus, keep me free today from evil, sin, temptation, Satan's attacks and afflictions, fear of darkness, fear of man, sickness, diseases, doubts, anger, all calamities, and from all that is not of thy kingdom. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with the gift of your Holy Spirit, and grant me the gift of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discernment, so that I will live today in your glory by doing what is right. I praise you, Lord Jesus, by your faith and your merits. I now take your precious blood and sprinkle it over myself and my family, right from the crown of my head to the very soles of my feet. I claim total and complete protection for my life and family. Lord Jesus, keep me free today from evil, sin, temptation, Satan's attacks and afflictions, fear of darkness, fear of man, sickness, diseases, doubts, anger, all calamities, and from all that is not of thy kingdom. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with the gift of your Holy Spirit, and grant me the gift of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discernment, so that I will live today in your glory by doing that which is right. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I adore you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you make me see everything and show me the way to reach my ideals. You who gives me the divine gift to forgive and forget the wrong that is done to me, and you who are in all instances of my life with me, in this short dialogue, to thank you for everything and affirm once more that I never want to be separated from you no matter how great the material desire may be. I want to be with you and my loved ones in perpetual glory. Please bring to mind a request you have for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love towards me and my loved ones. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, going back to our initial quote sheet, I'm just going to read the quote from St. Augustine today. And I have more of those handouts from the first talk, if you would like them. You can see me afterwards. St. Augustine says, What is this that I experience? What fire is this that inflames my heart? What light illumines it? O fire that burns and never dies, may I be consumed by you, O light that ever shines and is never eclipsed. Illumine my soul. O holy fire, how sweetly you burn, how secretly you illumine. 
and how tenderly you inflame the soul. Amen. Well, dear friends, you know, we're, we've sort of, we're looking at prayer in terms of how it's structured in the fourth part of the catechism. So when you ever read, if you ever read the catechism, don't start with part one, start with part four, because part four is how to pray. And all of theology and all of everything that we do is that we have a relationship with the living God. So you want to start with prayer and being in connection with God and then get to the rest of that stuff. But start with prayer. And the Catechism divides it as vocal, mental, and contemplative prayer. And we've been using a functional definition of prayer, which prayer is a conversation. So anytime you're in a conversation with anybody, three things are happening. There's times when you are speaking to the person, that's vocal prayer. Times when you are thinking about what they're saying, that's mental prayer and times you are listening to what they're saying. Hopefully you're listening and not just thinking about what you're going to say next, because that, that becomes a monologue. We don't want monologues with God. We want dialogues. We want a real living relationship with a, with a living divine person. So that is how it happens in a conversation, and it's all very natural. But we're looking at it separately, and you know when you put something under a microscope, it has to be dead. So <laughs> we're sort of separating it out so we can study it better. But when you're actually praying, it's all going to flow one to the next, and it's all going to be connected. Your prayer, you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to do vocal prayer now, and then that's all you're doing is vocal prayer. It's going to flow. Vocal prayer is going to flow into mental prayer. It's going to flow into contemplative prayer. And just a reminder, too, that... Uh, the distinction between contemplation and contemplative prayer. So all prayer leads to contemplation. Contemplation is being in God's presence, knowing that you're in God's presence. So vocal prayer leads to contemplation. Mental prayer leads to contemplation. Contemplative prayer leads to contemplation. Contemplative prayer is the times when we are listening to God, and it's the highest form of prayer that's, that's listed out here. So I used last time the analogy of going to Indianapolis. If I want to walk there, I, that's vocal prayer. If I want to get in my car and drive to Indianapolis, that's mental prayer. If I want to fly a jet to Indy, that's contemplative prayer. It's the fastest way to connect with God and, and the highest form of prayer that we have in our Catholic tradition, contemplative prayer. And all of the great prayer forms contain these three elements. So we talked about the rosary has vocal prayer, mental prayer, contemplative prayer, the mass, vocal prayer, <laughs> mental prayer, contemplative prayer, and Lexio Divina, vocal prayer, mental prayer, and contemplative prayer. All, all the highest forms of prayer have all three elements. And generally, in your prayer time, it's going to usually you know, follow this, really. It's going to usually starts with vocal prayer, goes into mental prayer, and you end up in contemplative prayer, listening to God. So tonight, oh, yeah, I just wanted to give you my little, another acronym to help you. CVS Mrs. G, this is my acronym for uh, checking myself. 
because I like to, the whole idea behind these talks is that you should have a, some kind of a balance in your prayer life. If all you're doing is vocal prayer and not doing these other kinds, you're kind of missing out on the deeper levels of prayer. And if all you're doing is contemplative and no vocal, you're missing out. So the whole idea, the way that I like to teach it is to have some sort of a balance in your life. So your life is, has all these elements of prayer in it and all these different ways of connecting with God. This is how I check myself. So I do it like every day, but you know, I'm a professional prayer. <laughs> you would probably think, you know, once a week or once a month, how am I doing on these things? Uh, C is contemplative. V is vocal. S is scripture. M is mental. R is rosary. S is supplication. Am I praying for other people? And then G is gratitude. Am I being grateful to God? So that's my little acronym for checking my own balance on a, on a, because sometimes, sometimes you can go for a long time and all of a sudden you realize, you know, I haven't done Lexio Divina in months. What happened? I kind of fell away from this practice or that practice. And um, so that's why I made myself a little acronym. When I drive by CVS, I think of it. So it's good. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have defined mental prayer as thinking about God. And this idea of thinking about God using our reason and our, we're including imagination in this. So it's using your reason and your imagination in prayer. And let's see. You know, I like to break things into three because of the Trinity, just so I can think about things. The first kind of mental prayer is discursive mental prayer. And that's really using all of your experience and your knowledge and your understanding and trying to really dig into what do these scriptures mean using theology or philosophy or psychology just trying to really dig into what do these text scripture texts really mean it's using your reason and your rational brain with all of your training and education and schooling trying to really figure out what do these mysteries mean what's going on in the scripture this is like preparing for a homily we use a lot of discursive mental prayer. Like, you know, what does joy mean? And you're thinking about what does joy mean? Or what does the ascension of Jesus mean? And just putting a whole lot of thought into that and what it means and what effects it has in the world, etc. Affective mental prayer is the other kind. And this is using your heart. So the Jesuits are really good at this. Affective mental prayer, they teach it. And it's when you use your imagination to pray and you put yourself into the scene. For a while, I did this in my life. Wherever I sat in the church, I would look at the Stations of the Cross. And as my preparation for Mass, I would put myself at that station. Like, here I am, Jesus fell down. And I imagine yourself in the situation. You imagine especially the emotions that are going on in, in all those situations. You're trying to connect in an emotional level with what's going on in, in, these, in the scriptures. So affective mental prayer is emotions. Think of you know, Jesus being scourged at the pillar. 
You know, what was he feeling? What were his emotions? What were the guards emotions? You know, who was there and what were their emotions and what was going on during that moment? So affective mental prayer is using your imagination to connect yourself with the emotions. So once when I was on retreat, my spiritual director on the retreat said, you know, I want you to imagine yourself at the at the nativity. Go go there and go there and in your mind's eye, go to the nativity and kneel down and see what happens. This kind of prayer, is, I don't do it very often, but it is fun because you get, you get surprised. So I'm, I'm kneeling there, I'm looking, I'm looking at Jesus, the baby, and Mary and Joseph, and Joseph had was holding baby Jesus, and then suddenly Joseph handed baby Jesus to me in my imagination prayer. And little baby Jesus liked my beard a lot. He was playing with my beard, and we were laughing. And that was my prayer for that particular moment. So the, you, can, you often get surprised in imagination prayer. And then I've, I put down scripture here because uh, it's supposed to be our main book. The Lord, you know, the Lord God gave us the Holy Scripture, so we're supposed to pray with the scriptures a lot. And especially for mental prayer, you want to do it with the sacred scriptures. The scriptures are a love letter from God. He has written these things down, communicated to us. They've been preserved through the centuries. So it should be our main book. We have a lot of great books, like right behind us there. There's a ton of great books back there. But if you just get lost in all that and you lose the scriptures, you're going to lose a lot of your connection with God. Because how else... Can God teach you who he is? No other book can do that. No other book can you connect with God at such a deep level than with his holy and sacred word. In his holy word, there's power in the word of God. It's the power to change your life. It's the power to liberate you from the power of the devil. It's the power to set your heart on fire. So the scriptures, you know, have to be in, in that mental prayer. You can you could do mental prayer. With, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, ways to do it today. But really, you don't ever want to get far from the scriptures. And it's never enough just to go to Mass and hear the scriptures. Because one thing is, you'll never know the stories. Because they give you a piece this week and a piece next week. And they, sometimes they cut parts out and you don't know what follows what. You don't know who did what. So if you just go to Mass and hear the scriptures, you're never going to know them. You're just going to know little snippets of them. Especially, take for example the second reading, St. Paul usually from St. Paul or St. Peter. You'll never know what's in their letters unless you read them at home. So you have to read the scriptures at home as well as pray with them. In fact, with the Bible, there's three things to do. Is it L-E or E-L? There's my dyslexia. L-E? Thank you. So Bible, three things you have to do with the Bible. One is just to read it like you would any book. So, so you know the stories, you know the flow of the stories, right? We know Lord of the Rings, we know Harry Potter, we know Pinocchio, we know <laughs> Starsky and Hutch, I don't know. We know all these stories, but we don't know our own scriptures because we don't. We just hear them at Mass, and if you don't read them at home, you'll never get a sense of, of the flow of these stories and what's going on, what happens before, what happens after, like the feeding of the 5,000, what happens before and what happens after. Unless you read it yourself, you'll, you'll never know. So read it and then study it. So once in a while, 
two, you have to study parts of the Bible. Again, this is preaching prep uh, with Deacon Ron here. You have to get into the study. So usually in the Bible, there's something called a critical apparatus or footnotes, and you sometimes have to pursue those footnotes or even pursue... A lot of times in the scriptures, they'll tell you where, which part of the Bible does this link to. So you go in the footnote, it'll say 1 Corinthians 12, and you go, oh, that's, what, that's how these two pieces link together. So sometimes you have to study the Bible. And what we're talking about today is praying with the Bible. And that's what, I'm, that's what this whole uh, course today is about. Well, not the whole course, but a big part of the course is praying with the sacred scriptures. And, and that's the kind of mental prayer I do. So all these things I'm going to be talking about next, you have to find the one that works for you. You have to experiment with these different ways of mental prayer. No one person can do all the different kinds of prayer. You find the one that works for you where, you are, where you're in that contemplative state, where contemplation, when you're in God's presence, and then you use that prayer, that, that prayer form. I like uh, Lexio Divina. So, so people here ever hear or know about that, prayed that before, probably. Show of hands, maybe. Thank you. So Lexio Divina, I'm just going to write LD. Ex- Lexio Divina means, Lexio, of course, means reading. Divina means divine, divine reading. These are, our grandparents taught us this. This are the Benedictine monks. It's actually older than them, but th- those are the grandparents of religious life. You know, they're 1,500 years old at least. Dominicans are 800. Benedictine monks are like 1,500. So I call them the grandparents. Those are our grandparents, and they handed this down for us. And we're, and hopefully if we have time, we're, that's why I handed out that scripture, we'll, we'll break into groups of three, and we'll practice this Lexio Divina tonight. This is the way that I like because this is asking God to speak into your own life. So we're not, this isn't for writing theology essays or, or, or trying to figure out the theology of the church or the doctrines of the church. This is for God speaking from his word into your own life. And this is training your mind. So you're training your mind to block out the distractions and hear God's voice. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes to do. So what happens is you tick it, you pick a text, and I picked one for us. Hopefully we'll have time to get back to it. This is going to be read out on Sunday from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on Corpus Christi Sunday. You pick a text and you read it out loud once. And then you or someone else in a group. It's, this is great to do in a group, by the way. I love it best in a group because you can all share what God has said to you in your life. You read it out loud once. You read it out loud twice. You read it out loud a third time. And as you're listening to it or, or reading it yourself or having someone else read it, listening to someone else read it, you're listening for a word or a phrase that jumps off the page. It's a word or a phrase. And, and the next time you hear it, that same word or phrase jumps off the page. Sometimes you get more than one you gotta, you got to get it down to one word or one phrase. A word or a phrase jumps off the page. And then you, for 20 minutes, then, you take that into prayer. About 20 minutes is the time you need to take that to prayer. And you just say, okay, Lord, what, do you, what does this mean for my life? What are you trying to say 
for my own life here? What does this word mean for my life? And maybe you think, well, I don't really know what that word means. So go ahead and look it up on your phone or dictionary, whatever you have, a theological dictionary. Look up the word. Make sure you understand what the word means if it's jumping off the page at you. And then ask the Lord, what does it mean for your life? And you keep waiting for God to speak to you. And then God usually, during this 20 minutes, gives you an answer. Sometimes, no, you get it you know, two days from now in the shower. You might, God might speak to you then. But you usually get an answer from God, and then you thank him for that answer, and then you just rest in God. You do some contemplative prayer, some prayer of silence. You just rest, rest in his arms. It's really quite beautiful time once you get just to rest in his arms. So that's the kind that I particularly like to do. And when I learned it, I learned it from... Anybody remember the movie Lilies in the Field? Yeah, so the, who, who were the sisters in that? Anyways, I met them in Colorado. Yeah, Schmitt! Remember that? <laughs> that was a fun movie. Anyways, I met those sisters, and they taught, taught me this when I was a novice in Colorado. And um, she said, do this every day. If you don't have time, take your Bible into the, into the bathroom and put it where you're brushing your teeth and do Lexio Divina when you're brushing and flossing your teeth. But don't let a day go by without hearing God's voice. And just think of the beauty of that. I mean, every day God has something to say to us. Every day he wants to speak into our life or speak into our problems and give us a, a word of comfort or a challenge. So I think she's right. Don't you know, try not to let a day go by without Lexio Divina. Okay. So now we're going to talk about discursive. And it's on your handout uh, with the references, all the quotes, the two quotes from Pope Francis and then the computer references there. Pope Francis wrote that wonderful encyclical, The Joy of the Gospel, and it's number 153. And he explains how to do discursive mental prayer in one paragraph and then gives the three temptations why people stop praying discursive mental prayers. I think it's so ingenious. He says in, so number one, I put 152 just to give you a little context because he talks a little bit about Lexio Divina. And then he says here, in the presence of God during a recollected reading of the text, it is good to ask, for, for example, what does this text say to me? What is it about my life you want me to change by this text? What troubles me about this text? Why am I not interested in this? Or perhaps, why do I find what do I find pleasant in this text? What is it about the word that moves me? What attracts me? Why does it attract me? When we make an effort to listen to the Lord, temptations usually arise. So when you're trying to do this prayer, you're going to face distractions. I mean, as Thomas Merton said, if you have never been distracted, you've never prayed. Because it's part of the gig. So when you're trying, especially when you're trying to hear God's voice, you're going to hear tons and tons of distractions. And the Pope now lists out um, some of the common distractions. So when you make an effort to listen to the Lord, temptations usually arise. One of them is simply to feel troubled or burdened and to turn away. Another com common temptation is to think about what the text means for other people. 
and so avoid ply, applying it to your own life. We all do this one. Oh, I hope Father Patrick hears this. Yeah. <laughs> For example. <laughs> okay, when I lost my place. Oh, and it can also happen that we look for excuses and water down the meaning of the text. Or we can wonder if God is demanding too much of us, asking for a decision which we are not yet prepared to make. This leads many people to stop taking pleasure in the encounter with God's word. But this would mean forgetting that no one is more patient than God our Father, and that no one is more understanding and willing to wait. He always invites us to take a step forward, but does not demand a full response if we are not ready yet. He simply asks that we sincerely look at our life and present ourselves honestly before him and that we be willing to continue to grow, asking him that we ourselves cannot as yet achieve. So it's a beautiful one paragraph, how to do discursive mental prayer and the temptations that lead us away. So that's, uh, I always try to promote that with folks because there it is. You'll have to read it in this other stuff I wrote here, because you got it right here in one paragraph. Another way to do um, discursive mental prayer, I'll leave that up, is to ask three questions of the text. So you read a text, and then you ask these three questions. What does this text uh, teach me about the Father? Because all scripture is about God our Father. What does this text teach me about the Father? What does this text teach me about God's plan for salvation? Because in there is something about how to get to heaven, how to get in union with him. What does this text teach me about God's plan for salvation? And then finally, what does this text have to do with my life? How does this apply to my life? That's another way to do a quick meditation with the scripture. Another way is looking for the Holy Trinity in every text, because the Holy Trinity is present and alluded to in every text. Because if you remember, Jesus came in the visible form to show us what the invisible Father is like. So when Jesus comes, he's teaching us about what our loving Father in heaven is like. So when you look at Jesus, you say, okay, what is Jesus teaching me about the Father? And then, um, and then you look... Uh, and so Jesus and the Father are both teaching about Jesus and the Father. It's also teaching about Jesus, but what's he teaching me about the Father? And then you look for the verb in there. The verb is the Holy Spirit. All the ing words are Holy Spirit. For example, uh, Jesus on the cross. So you, you look at the cross and you say, okay, what is happening here? Well, Jesus is... Uh, offering his life for my sins. What does that teach me about the Father? Right? And then, what is the verb there? Offering. So that tells you about the Holy Spirit is involved. When we make an offering to God, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you think about the Mass, the Mass is all the prayers in the Mass are to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it just goes directly with what we do at Mass. So if you look at the, look for those verbs, you can see what the Holy Spirit is up to. The Holy Spirit is are the ing words or the ver, the verbs in there that are uh, showing us. So you can see the Trinity in all of these scripture texts. Okay, another way to do discursive mental prayer. Here's another way. 
So you look at the text and you say, what is in there? You know, is, is this a command from God or is this an example of how I'm supposed to live? Is this a command or an example? Is there something I should praise God for in this text? Is there something that calls my response to praise God? Or is there some truth that God is teaching me in this text? What's the truth that God is showing me in this text? Is this text representing a sin or an error, a, a, a sin that I'm supposed to avoid or a virtue that I'm supposed to get into my life? Is, there, is it a virtue or a sin or a vice or a virtue in this text? Is this text showing me a value or an attitude that I'm supposed to have as a Christian? Or is there a value that God is teaching me? That's another way to draw meaning out of the text. I just thought of something, so... I didn't draw that very well, but this is supposed to be water. Scripture is like an iceberg. So the very top, the, the part that's above the water, the smallest part in Scripture is the literal sense. The rest, you have to, you have to dive down to get the rest of these meanings out of the text. You know, they're, um, the ancient church taught about finding these four meanings. So the spiritual meaning... And then the moral meaning, and then the anagogical meaning. Anagogical is about the end of time. So every t every scripture text has these four meanings at least, and this is the ancient world. We 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 have many more meanings now, like philosophy, <laughs> philosophy and psychology, and uh, this can find the sacraments in every scripture too. But you have to go under the water. That's what the mental prayer is. You're going down. You're you're getting down to the bigger parts that are in the scripture. The literal part, yeah, I mean, that, that's obvious. But then you have to then take to prayer these other meanings. Like Jesus walked on the water. Okay, the literal sense, that's great. What's the spiritual sense? of What does it mean spiritually that Jesus walked on the water? What does it mean morally? What does it mean about the end of time that Jesus walked on the water? So you have to start mining these scriptures for more and more meaning. Okay, great. Another great method for discursive meditation in Scripture is to take, put your name in there whenever you can. So kick out all the pronouns and put your name in there and all of the passages where it names someone else. Put your name in there so it personalizes it for your life. For example, in Isaiah 45, he wrote it to King Cyrus. King Cyrus is going to go and do this and knock down doors and... Just put your name in there. <laughs> Eugene, oh, excuse me, Simon, uh, God loves you very much. He's going to knock down doors for you. He's going to make a way for you. So put your name in the text, and this gives you a very personal experience of the scripture. Another way is to memorize scripture. You know, it's so good to put some scriptures in your memory bank, in your toolbox, then you have them forever, and no one can ever take them from you because you have these certain scriptures memorized. Like especially Psalm 23, the Lord is my, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where He gives me repose. So to memorize some of these texts. By the way, the Psalms are great for uh, Lexio Divina, which we, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to say that the Psalms. If you want to do Lexio Divina, you want to start with the Psalms. 
you're really going to have your heart blown open and your mind blown open. So memorize scripture and also get some into your journal, some that are that really helpful to you, and use them as affirmations for your life and declarations about what you believe. Like, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? So if you have that in your little prayer journal and you read that every day and you enforce that in your soul, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge, of whom should I be afraid? That becomes part of you because you've got it memorized and you're repeating it, repeating it daily. It's another great way to really get more and more meaning out of the text and to, and to personalize it. All right, here's another way I thought of for discursive mental, mental prayer. <laughs> the journalism questions, they're so good. How, what, when, where, and why? <laughs> Ask that of the text. You know, how did Jesus do that? When did he do it? Why did he do it? Where did he do it? You can really get a lot out of text just by applying those traditional journalism questions. Another way to do discursive mental prayer is to just look at the verbs in the text. There's some fantastic verbs in Scripture. So if you just go through and look at, write down all the verbs that are in that text, you're gonna, it's just sometimes so overwhelming what God is doing for us because the verbs are applied, of course, to us. And that's the Holy Spirit working in our life and working in the life of others. You can, you can get a lot from that. All right, here's my... One I learned from the Protestants, it's a great one. Some people like this one. I don't use it, but some people like it. You can look this up on YouTube, the SOAP method. And that the, there's, a now, there's a new one out there called the HEAR. Uh, what's it called? HEAR. They're pretty similar. In the SOAP method, the first thing you do is write down the verse that you're concentrating on. So you write it down, you know, just what it, you, you copy the verse in your journal. You write it down again. This, this also helps reinforce it and get it into your life. You, then you just kind of observe. The O is for observe. Observe what's going on in the text. Get an idea of what's happening in that text. And then the A is um, application. Apply it to your life. How does this text apply to my life? And then the P is prayer. You know, take it, take it to prayer. Take it to prayer and ask God to put that into your life. Here is highlight. So it's the same kind of very similar. Highlight, explain, apply, and make a response. So it's very similar. So here or soap are another ways that you can journal with the scriptures. A lot of people do like to journal, and they keep these long journals and things in them. Scripture, write down the scripture. Copy it down. Then I had to pull I had to get a Dominican in here. So a short method of mental prayer by Niccolo Rodolfi. I forget the year, but we're gonna do his method next. So now this I, I I I use this method quite a bit, except for the except for the making a resolution part, because as you may have remembered from last class, I do my resolutions 
in the morning when I do my proximate prayer, all my resolutions are already in there. So I don't usually make a new resolution when I'm doing mental prayer. But he has, you know, preparation. He puts mental prayer into three parts. Preparation, and then the prayer itself, and then the conclusion. In the preparation, so the first thing you do for preparation is place yourself in God's presence. So to put yourself in the right frame of mind to be to be in God's presence and to hear his words. The second thing is to respond to that God's presence with profound humility. So that's good. You're recognizing who God is and who you are. It puts you in the right space now to communicate with God. And then the third part of this preparation is to Pray to your guardian angel and to Mary and the saints that they help you during this prayer, that they come to your aid. So you ask, the, your, especially your guardian angel, the Blessed Mother and the saints to come and help you during this time. You've set aside, you know, this is a 20 minutes or 30 minutes of prayer with God. So you want them to be pray there with you and to be there with you. Then the prayer, you know, he has three parts for that too. The, you know, just the, cons- the consideration of whatever text you're going to use for prayer. And then he calls uh, the ne- next part affection. So that's, uh, that is what draws your heart in this text. What draws you, same thing as Pope Francis said, what's drawn you in this text? What is your... What's grabbed your heart from what you're praying with? What's grabbed your heart and really wants you to come closer? And then you make a third thing here is you make a resolution, a response to the text. So because of this, I'm going to now do, I'm going to try to do this. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try to uh, go help the poor more today. Or I'm going to look for someone I can help, someone who I can go and, and do something for, someone that God can send me someone to help today. Then the conclusion is um, uh, the conclusion of mental prayer for Niccolo Rodolfo is, of course, uh, pray for God's grace to be able to do your resolution. So pray for God's grace. Lord, give me the grace to go help that person today that you sent, that you put in my life today. Give me the grace to be able to help them. And then thanksgiving, to thank God for the time you just spent with him and for his graces. And then oblation, to offer your time and prayer and your life to God as a gift. Because the whole of our life is offering our life to God as a gift, as an oblation. Especially, it comes to a head during the Mass when we, we're offering our life to God at every Mass, putting our life and our soul right there on the altar with the bread and wine to be transformed by God. Uh, and, and so we are ambassadors of Christ. Okay, affective mental prayer, the last kind, affective mental prayer. And it's, it's just a way of looking at the text, but you consider what are the emotions in that text? Take the Annunciation to Mary or something, you know, what is Mary feeling when the angel comes to talk to her? 
what is the angel feeling? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. Um, you know, who else is there? You know, maybe Mary's mom is, and sometimes you see in the movie, Mary's mom is there, St. Anna, sort of peeking around the corner. What is she feeling? Uh, the second way is to place yourself with your imagination into these texts and make yourself a bystander and try to really, with your imagination, you know, feel the heat, feel the dirt, like when Jesus falls on the way to the cross. See his face smashing into the ground and see the dust and try to feel what that's like and try to put yourself there as an observer and look at the other people around at the event and see what they're feeling and what they're thinking too. And the third part is to uh, imagine around the text. So a lot of times things are not in the text, but you can still take those to prayer. For example, I, I guarantee it, I bet my last dollar, I bet everything I had that when Jesus rose from the dead, he went to see Mary. It's not in the Bible, but I, I, for sure he did that, right? He went to see Mary first thing. <laughs> so you can imagine what was that, what was that meeting like when uh, Jesus went to meet with the Blessed Virgin Mary after his resurrection? Or what was the reaction of St. Paul's family when St. Paul converted from Judaism to become a Christian? What did his dad think? What did his mom and dad think about that? So you can go think about these stories and think about the people all around them. And there's a lot of things you can meditate on that way, just thinking around the text. And there's a lot of good fiction books that help you do this too. Or sometimes some you know, great movies like that TV show, The Beloved, right? Is it called The Beloved? Uh, do you know? Anyone know? <laughs> okay. It's a TV show about Jesus right now that's the popular. Chosen. The Chosen. I always want to call it Beloved. Chosen. Chosen be that might be a way when you see something like that you can meditate on various people in the text because they sometimes add things. Okay, the rosary. I want to just talk a little bit about by Mary and Jesus so that we could practice mental prayer. And that's the primary uh, primary primary a focus of the rosary and uh, so when you get together in a group you can't do mental prayer it's because that's when you're by yourself you can pray the rosary with mental prayer in a group you pretty much use it as vocal prayer you just all kind of pray it together and you intercede for someone half my life I interceded for Russia right that Russia would be converted that's what we intercede <laughs> or to grow in faith hope and loves but and when you're by yourself, you can pray the rosary, uh, has, has um, I think, why God gave it to us, for mental prayer and for contemplative prayer of silence. So when you're praying the rosary, you know, uh, you get to the mystery and you ask yourself, you ask some questions of the, of the, of the mystery, like the Annunciation of Mary. Okay, like I said, who was there? Well, Mary was there. Uh, the a, a, Archangel Gabriel was there. Maybe her mom was there. Maybe, uh, maybe um, someone else might have been living in the house with them. And the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit was definitely there. And when you got the Holy Spirit, you got the Father. And then you've got Jesus, you know, being conceived 
at the Annunciation of Mary. That's the conception, of the Immaculate Conception of Jesus. That people always get confused <coughs> about the Immaculate Conception of Mary. Jesus was conceived at the Annunciation. So say, who is there? Okay, what's happening? And then you think about what's going on. And then you ask yourself, well, what is the, what's the virtue that God is teaching me through this mystery? What's the virtue that I need for my life? What virtue do I need? And then you, uh, you, you, know, you go through the prayers and you can still do a little intercession. You know, every time you say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death, you can insert the person that you're praying for right into that prayer or your family or someone. You can still do some intercession with your meditation prayer. Another way to do the rosary when you're by yourself, this wouldn't be public, this would be for when you're by yourself. And this was taught to me it was such a great event. I went to, I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I was inducting people in the Rosary Confraternity. It was a great night because I blessed everything that night from rose petals to, to rosaries to holy medals. I mean, <laughs> it was a, a fantastic night. And after the event was over, a person came up to me who was a mystic, and she told me this story. And I've ever since prayed these mysteries. But she said she was on her way to see and the lay apostle at Holy Hill in Wisconsin. And and the lay apostle is someone in Ireland who's receiving locutions from God. You know, anytime you get private revelation, it's like Ripley's Believe It or Not. You have to choose whether you want to believe that or not. But I like Anne the lay apostle. I like what she has to say in her visions. And she knew that Anne the lay apostle was going to say the rosary and then give a talk about her visions, her locutions that she received from God. But she knew she couldn't make it. She was going to be late. She said, well, what I'll do is I'll pray the rosary in the car. And then when I get there, I'll get there in time for this talk from Anne the Lay Apostle. And she got in the car and then sort of the angel sort of took over for her. She got behind this like a slow moving car and she couldn't get around it. And the angels came to her in the car and taught her these new mysteries of the rosary. And she didn't want to do it. She didn't like these mysteries. The angels then showed her you know, the good the good parts of these mysteries. And I like them a lot because they complete the whole story of salvation. So the first one is the return of Jesus. Jesus returns to the earth at the end of time. And then the second one is the resurrection of the dead. Jesus opens all the graves and all the people rise from the dead. And then the third one is the completion of the communion of, oh, no, excuse me, the final judgment. So after everyone is risen from the dead, then comes the final judgment where people are separated and people go to heaven or people are separated from God forever. And then the next one is the completion of the communion of saints because after that happens, the communion of saints is finally complete. There won't be any more new saints added. And then the last mystery is the Jesus recreates a new heaven and a new earth. So I've been using those for years myself. It's really nice to meditate on the end of the story. <laughs> you know, what we're, we're, we're waiting for these times to happen. So it's really good to spend time meditating on them. And then that inspired me to uh, make other mysteries for the rosary for myself. I called them the associate mysteries. And I just started filling in the gap. So let me give you some of those. Uh, number one, the dream of Joseph. There's a mystery there. Joseph has a dream. Number two, the wedding of Mary and Joseph. They got married. So I meditate on their wedding. 
Number three, uh, Joseph finds the manger. Number four, the visit of the shepherds. Number five, the visit of the, uh, the magi. So if you just go through the mysteries of the rosary and look for those gaps where there's gaps in there in the story, and you can uh, really increase your meditation. So for example, once I was meditating on when Jesus went down to hell and he and saved all the people that were waiting for Jesus were waiting down in Hades or hell. And, uh, you know, John the Baptist went before Jesus to preach to all the people that were there waiting, the waiting for Jesus. When, when Jesus was crucified and then he went down there and he rescued all those people and brought them into heaven. And I thought, it came to my meditation, you know what? Joseph was there. So Jesus reunited with Joseph. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, they came up together and both Joseph and Jesus went to go see Mary. It was a family reunion at the resurrection. So that was one really great meditation I got just by uh, praying, you know, meditating on these mysteries. Sometimes you can... Did I bring that book? No. Sometimes you can just do one mystery. Like do a whole five decades on uh, the Annunciation or... Do, do a whole rosary on one mystery. You can really, it really is a quite a deep experience. You just go through and you keep pulling more and more out of it and you keep getting deeper and deeper and closer to the mystery. There's, I forgot to bring the book, but there's another book that says you can put your own life experiences in the rosary. It's like, when did I experience something like this and meditate on something like it that happened in your life? Like, when did I get good news from God? Not that I was the mother of God, but when did I get some good, really exciting news from God? And you can use the mysteries of your own life in the rosary and meditate on those. That could be another way to meditate on God. The last one I like to do every now and then is to, I didn't bring a Bible, but to bring out scripture. And then, you know, take out a letter, like say, 1 Thessalonians, and read a line and say a Hail Mary. And then read the next line and say a Hail Mary. And then read the next line and pray the rosary by reading one of the texts of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Ephesians, Colossians, one of those beautiful letters. And, um, of course, asking God to enlighten you and, and bring you more knowledge as you do that. Okay.